make money online. Um, so we got a, a reader question, listener question. From the wonderful and lovely Max Bacow. Um, and I can't tell if he was joking when he asked this question, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to take it really seriously and almost accusatorily. And the question is, why aren't you making more money? Um, we on a previous episode talked a little bit about kind of Maslow's hierarchy questions and um, how draft isn't growing and how I actually feel okay with that uh, and how we're making less money this year than we did last year and how I feel okay with that. Um, but I think that there is a, a deeper question at play for the two of us mm -hmm. and that we're going to have slightly different answers to these things. And I think it'll result in a, a fairly interesting conversation around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, one, one of the reasons that I, I'm not making more money, because I think another thing is you can choose to make more money. Yes. One of the nice things that happens in this industry uh, and also with the game plan that we have put together over however many episodes we've done. At least odd, 69. At least 69 episodes. Um, we, you can choose to make more money. Mm -hmm. Now, the trade-off with that is sometimes that doesn't actually map into profit, right? Like, you may be hiring people, right? Sometimes it doesn't map into profit, and I'd add to it, uh, uh, Tan Staffel, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. If you're choosing to make more money, you are getting an outcome and output. Right. There's some cost to that, be it hiring, be it spending more time working, be it spending less time doing other things. Right. There are trade-offs. Right, exactly. So you end up with this, um, you could make $20 million a year. However, I think that there's a huge cost in terms of, in terms of your personal life, in terms of the trade-offs. And so Draft has remained a solo business. And so when I hear this question, why aren't you making more money? I think about it in the terms of why aren't you making more money without being able to, without having to hire somebody, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. I could make more money and run a 20-person consultancy. I think everyone on earth wants me to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing that because I like snuggling my dog in my own house and not running a 20-person consultancy. And not, um, you know, right now it's me and my assistant and that's basically it. Um, and... Uh, and I feel very comfortable with that, right? But I've also chosen probably to leave quite a bit of money on the table, mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. think that draft could probably grow to about 500000 a year uh, at the, the current rate that it is. And um, I would have less time uh, to, to do the aforementioned dog snuggling. I would have... Um, more discretionary money and I'd probably be able to travel a little bit more. And I think, you know, um, I would be able to have a lot more freedom on certain fronts, but I would also feel shackled to a lot of client engagements on a lot of other fronts. Mm -hmm. And this is talking very abstractly and obliquely. Like I'm not really, I know what the game plan is to get to 500 though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's something that is uh, not broadly shared in the industry. I think that there's a clear game plan to get to 250, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and draft is around there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was 228 last year. Mm -hmm. So you round up to the nearest 250. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but after 250, you're kind of... It's kind of in the dark. It's kind of opaque. Uh, uh, the, the answers or the pathways that I see most often suggested are scale through team, which as we mentioned before, doesn't necessarily translate to profit. It's yep. most often revenue and a lot of mouths to feed. Yep. Scale through process and automation. So you're spending less time increasing your effective hourly rate. Okay, I like that one. And start launching higher leveraged service offerings. And diving into that definition for a second, it would be a service offering where it 
not directly one-to-one correlated with your time. It's not, I put one hour in, I get one hour out. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is something like a 20-person training where you could charge $10,000 for a two-day workshop. You're making $5,000 a day to the company. It's like, this is great. We're training our team. To you, it's like, this is great. I made $10,000 in two days. Oh my God, how do I do this again? Right. So you migrate more towards these higher leveraged offerings, books where there's no cost of fulfillment, trainings where you get paid a very nice multiple for your time, and these become the pathways to the higher income states. Yeah, yeah. Some of those involve travel, so you have to be comfortable with traveling, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, you're imposing... Effectively, you impose a series of constraints upon the business that are bespoke to your your, your station, right? So if you're um, listening to this and your name is Paul Jarvis, you probably don't want to do on-site training. Mm-hmm. Paul Jarvis never leaves his house mm-hmm. except to get vegan things. And work in his beautiful garden. And work in his beautiful garden, which is ostensibly outside the house and not in the greenhouse. Um, you know, you've, you've recognized and you're willing to make that trade-off. I think the fact that I don't run Facebook ads mm-hmm. and that I don't run Google ads is probably costing me low six figures. Well, I mean, we could point to any singular tactic or strategy and say, like, here's a book of 10,000 business tactics and strategies. Yeah, if we implement any one of them, you'll most likely see a return more often than and not. ads are a big fucking one. Eh, I, I think this becomes a separate episode about the relevance of ads in our businesses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that, right? So there, there are just, you know... But there's trade-offs. The, the point being that I have imposed the constraint, no ads, and mm-hmm. little travel. You mm-hmm. know, I, I travel, but like twice, thrice a year. I'm mm-hmm. not... I'm not a road hog that is going to go and do on-sites in sundry conference rooms across the country and get paid $10,000 a day for it. But this still leaves a huge range, just in your business in particular, a huge yeah. range of service offerings that do help you grow from 250 to 3 to 350 to 4 Yeah, and I think that there are th- service offerings you can make that are amenable to the higher value things. Like if you wanted to build a tiny video production studio in your right. house or something like that, you could just stamp out an A-B testing manual. A month. A month, you know, every so often, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, if I had a video studio in my house, <laughs> believe you me, my friends, dear listeners, there would be a lot of products. Right, like, right. And and there's like an audio studio in my house. We're recording this together in my house today, right? Hello. And there's, hello, I'm seeing Kai in person, which is rare. Um, but there's, you know, I, I took the trade off and said, okay, well, I can basically soundproof my house. And, you know, spend $1,000 on microphones and audio recording equipment and stuff like that. And, and I've recognized that that's a sensible and easy thing to be doing. The problem is with the video studio, you probably have people, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're on that level, like Ezra Firestone, one of my clients, or Ramit Sethi, or somebody like that, you probably have like an actual studio that's separate from your house and then people to operate the cameras, mm-hmm. right? It's not just you running the camera and... Uh, and, and doing everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, um, it's definitely like that kind of trade off you're willing to make and you know, you're able to leverage that into like, you know, potentially mid six figures of revenue entirely, entirely. And I think that part of it comes from the path from, we need to circle back to the main question in a couple of minutes, but I just want to answer this point. Part of it is the, the darkness of the path from 250 forward, 
but there's a pretty clear path from, I think, from like 50,000 to 100,000 or 100,000 to 200,000. And it's a lot of the points you, dear listener, hear us repeat on Make Money Online. Positioning is very important. You should charge more. You should uh, uh, make sure you're anchoring on value. You should have an expensive problem that you're selling. You should probably have a book that positions you as an authority as an ac- or an expert. You should have defined marketing channels. These are all things that Nick and I have both implemented in our businesses and helped us grow over the last three years, which is why we share them as tried and true tested strategies that have worked for us. But in terms of growing to that next level, in terms of why aren't we making more money, uh, there, there's a few different points I want to make, but I want to see the floor to, to Nick for a second first. What are you terrible at? <laughs> I have thought I'm terrible at, I guess the, the, the real answer is I am terrible at delegation and it is the thing I am working hardest to get better at. I'm also terrible at recognizing the 20% that doesn't need to be done and feeling like it needs to be done. And I'm terrible at charging more, charging a high amount for the initial version of a product or a service offering. I will undercharge. So those are three weaknesses I know of in my own business. I'm terrible at writing marketing pages when I'm not hungry for money. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. my needs are taken care of, I write poor marketing pages. Mm -hmm. And I know you're all thinking, Nick D, you're the grand vizier of marketing pages. They're all amazing. I actually strongly disagree with that sentiment. I have had dud launches in the past. People pick apart the marketing page, but I don't care. I don't want you to pick apart the marketing page. I want you to buy the thing. Mm -hmm. I want the the marketing pages written so that it can convert to a revenue-generating activity. Mm -hmm. And my marketing pages are very strongly variable around revenue-generating activities. Mm -hmm. I don't write marketing pages for fun. Would you say you have like a one out of three success rate? Would you say a one Yeah, one out of three is reasonable. So you'd be pretty decent if this was a game of baseball and you were a hitter. But this isn't baseball. But there's a lot of pitches that come. I mean, like, there's a lot of launches and a lot of opportunities. No, there aren't. I don't... Another thing that I'm terrible at is I don't launch often enough. Fair. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. This would be easier to say if I launched more than thrice a year. Yep. Yep. And I think that's really, like, the preceding, not problem, but opportunity that might be present in your business. How do you scale from three to six launches? Okay, you now have doubled your launch opportunities. How do you scale from six to 12? One launch a month... You won't overly uh, uh, tire out your list as long as you're providing value in the meantime. Okay, great. Now you have 12 opportunities to present something. And right. It becomes much easier to say, okay, yeah, but one out of three success rate. So I had four successes this year. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll even take one because it usually means that I made six figures on it, mm-hmm. right? Like there's mm-hmm. a bare minimum that I need to be doing. And I've been scrapping too hard lately. Like mm-hmm. there's that. Um, I'm terrible at laddering people. I recorded two episodes on this podcast with Kai Davis about product ladders. And Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I am not good at intentionally moving people from one rung of the ladder to the next. Mm -hmm. I am not good at focusing on who is on my mailing list and getting people to sign up Mm -hmm. to the next thing, Mm -hmm. right? People who bought Cadence and Slang 
I mean, obviously they're going to broadly be unlikely to buy the A-B testing manual, but I'm also terrible at like having introductory products. Yep. My initial introductory product is $125. Uh, I think it's $125. Yeah, draft analysis is $125. A-B testing manual, I think it's $150, something mm-hmm. like that. They're all these big courses, and they, they don't work at scale, mm-hmm. right? And I, I do those things because if you're basically going to do Hello World of A-B testing, you should have $125, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. not everybody does that, and I don't have credibility among enterprise customers. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're not even looking at the shit that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And my biggest competitors are eating me. Mm-hmm. Are I they think eating you? They're definitely capturing the bottom end of the market. But it, but I mean, like, how big is the pie here? Is it, oh my gosh, I have a smaller slice? Or Oh, it's a multi-trillion dollar pie. Okay. A-B testing involves multiple trillions of dollars of, mm-hmm. of revenue. If you think about what you spend your money on... Mm-hmm. At dear listener, mostly sandwiches, honestly, mostly sandwiches. But those sandwiches probably came from a website that was A/B tested. If you, went on, if you went on Grubhub, it was A/B tested. If mm-hmm. you went on Talk or or Seamless or Open Table, it was A/B tested. Mm-hmm. If you somehow procured your sandwich through eBay, it's been A/B tested for twenty five years. Neil Armstrong sandwich. Ice cream, astronaut ice cream sandwiches that you can get on Amazon have been A-B tested within an inch of their lives. Yes. Right? And so if you think about the amount of your disposable income that goes into stuff that gets A-B tested or optimized in some capacity, it's probably like 95%. So it's a very large market, uh, uh, which, which I think speaks to opportunities to launch more, to develop new products. It's not a market that's constrained in the range of service offerings you can make available. So there yep. is... A, uh, a surplus available for you to play in. Right, and there's no distinct entry product for me around A-B testing. There's the A-B testing manual. Right. That's too expensive. Okay, well, there's cadence and slang, but... That's kind of off topic. That's kind of off topic, right? So there's a incoherence in my positioning around some of the things that I'm putting together. But on the plus side, once you recognize this dissonance, this problem within your service ladder and product ladder you're able to say, okay, I'm missing the $49 product that should ladder to the $129 product. Now, this is the thing, right? There's a Dunning-Kruger issue in execution, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of people suffer from this, and it's a very nuanced and detailed problem that is broadly unidentif- like unrelatable to other people. Because we have identified the problem, mm-hmm. but then, okay, well, okay, all I need to do is come up with a $49 product, $50 product, because I don't believe in ending prices with nine. Great, Sounds- okay. What? Charm pricing. Forty seven ninety seven. Jesus Christ. Forty eight thirteen. Uh and but, like but, wow, so, we really A B tested that one. So so there's this problem around, okay, we've identified you need a fifty dollar product. Right. And you're struggling to say, okay, what the fuck is that product? Well, yeah, what's the outcome? What's the thing that it should be? I could give you all my checklists and shit, but they're decontextualized, well, right? A, I think for anything like this, we're starting in the right position of saying, we want to create a product, and this is the price point. This is what, what I coach all of my clients on when they're looking to create a product. Right. We pick a price point first. Then we move forward and say, what medium do we want it to be in? Well, $50 right. for a video, you're not going to get that much video. $50 for a book, that'd be a pretty good book. Now, this isn't to say video is the wrong format or a book is the right format, just how much time and effort do you want to put into it? A $50 book, you're going to be writing a bit. $50 a video, it might only be an hour worth of video. Oh, for yeah, a it's going to be short. So, it's going to be short. So I think that answers question two. Question three is, well, what exactly, what problem does this solve or what outcome does this provide for the buyer? That comes directly to customer and market research, I think. 
What yeah. questions are they asking or what similar products have people on your list bought in the past? Yeah, so it's funny. By the time you get this, dear listener, I'll have finished a survey of everybody on my mailing list. It is mandatory for all Make Money Online listeners to if fill you, out. If you haven't filled out the survey... I'm going to be very disappointed and sad. He about, won't pet Basil for not, a day. Not in you, but in myself forever believing in you. <laughs> Could somebody just clip that and email it to me? Kai at KaiDavis.com. I think that should be the, the text message sound that comes up on your phone every time I send you a text message. This text message is available for $19.97. That's my entry that. product, man. We <laughs> solved it. We but, got it. But I think like the formula I'm outlining there, like it's great that you're doing this market research. It's great that you're surveying the audience. This is going to tell you specifically what pains and problems they have. Right. And now that we've right. sort of paint by numbers our way into, okay, it's going to be a video product. It's going to be $50. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to answer, let's say, two to four questions or solve one primary pain your audience has. Once you identify what those are, or what that pain is or what those problems are, now you're able to create the product specifically to fulfill those requirements and fill that hole in your product ladder. Yeah, so it's, I would love to kind of abstract the process of identifying a problem and then conceiving of a solution to that problem and executing on that problem within the context of a business. It's called 30 by 500. It's run by Amy Hoy. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Because this is 300 level shit. Mm -hmm. 30 by 500 is wonderful and tremendously valuable and helpful if you're starting out, right? No? Completely disagree. You're bugged right no, now. No, completely. It continues to be the most valuable resource. I don't even have the most current version. I'm operating off of the uh, 2013, the last time they did it live. Like eight versions ago. No, one version ago. One version oh. ago. But it <laughs> continues to be the most valuable resource. I have ripped the audio from every single one of the videos. I have it on my phone that I could listen to it. I've reviewed the materials three, four, five times. I have a friend who took the original version, took the second version, just purchased the most recent version. He's been doing product creation for 10-ish years now. 30 by 500 was incredibly valuable for him. It, I think, applies across the board. Okay, so... Love you, um, Amy. Right, but like... The reason I'm saying this, and I think it's because uh, you're saying this because they're very like broadly applicable principles, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's something that that you can get from it when you're 100 or 300. But I think that the the reason the reason I'm saying this, um, and it's not to tar 30 by 500 at all, mm-hmm. uh, is more to say that as you become more successful as a consultant, your issues become both more bespoke and more unrelatable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, your and the fear re- shrinks. Right. And the reason that I was talking earlier about once you get past 250 becomes kind of a black box mm-hmm. is because everybody has their own executional path to get to a million, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and to, especially to get to a million without scaling headcount. Right. That's the big thing. The goal is to not scale headcount and capture more revenue. I'd actually phrase it in a different way. Like, I dislike the framing of it has to be a jump from 250 to a million or 100,000 to a million since it's an order of magnitude difference, essentially. I like saying 100 to 250, 250 to 300, and just scaling up that way because I think it's a clearer... It's hard to say, like, okay, I make $100,000 a year. How do I make a million? grow 10 of the same business and have them all be successful. You now have a million in Work revenue. 400 hours a week? like. But the alternative of, okay, how do I grow from 100,000 to 200,000? Yeah, you're doubling, but okay, we can find no, the systems. You're, 
two you're hatchets acting more efficiently. Yeah, it's it's a more efficient way to ask the question. We're going to the same destination, but it's sort of like saying, what do you want to be in 10 years? I don't know. What do you want to be next year? I have a pretty good idea of that. And so we're yeah. growing towards the 10-year plan step by step. We're growing towards a million dollars or whatever the destination is step by step. I mean, you have a limit of time, attention, and focus, and you start to asymptote out at 250. Mm. I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. You can be more efficient somehow, but then you're going to burn out mm -hmm. if you try to, to act somehow. If you keep using focus and intentionality and double down on that, it will not get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. You're going to just kill yourself working. Mm -hmm. So how... That's another thing is like, how do you get things automated such mm -hmm. that everything is working for you? And a lot of that happens with outreach. A lot of it happens with advertising, which is mm -hmm. why I brought up advertising. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You're getting things to passively, uh, to passively generate lower tier income mm -hmm. because you already built that system and it's working for you in an effective way. Mm -hmm. I'm historically terrible at this. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good at pretending like you are someone that I am developing a more like deep and thoughtful and intimate relationship. Right. And ultimately you're literally just signing up for my mailing list, mm -hmm. but that shit doesn't scale. Mm -hmm. Right. I can do that. And I, I know the names of a lot of people on my mailing list, mm -hmm. like a lot of people on my mailing list, but it's also, um, that's something that got built up over a really long period of time. And so I feel like I have several hundred um, shallower connections with these people. Mm -hmm. But that's not how you sell at scale, man. You sell at scale by getting a volume of people into your mailing list whom you do not know intimately. You really do. And, and I'm horrible at that shit. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a large part of why I'm not making more money. I mean, it sounds like it boils down to your list isn't big enough and you don't know the solution to the question of how do I grow my list? But there's that, I think. I mean, I, I know how to grow my list and a large part of it is with advertising and free offerings and stuff like that. And I've got the latter and I have outreach, which mm -hmm. helps me out quite a bit. Um, but my list is not growing as fast as it could be. My mm -hmm. list also got thirded by spammers using it as a honeypot two months ago. Mm -hmm. So I lost a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. Um, I also don't know how to monetize my list, mm -hmm. which is really hilarious and fucked up to say, because my list is how I make almost all of my revenue. So you do know how to monetize it, but you don't know how to monetize it to the next level. I don't know how to monetize it intentionally. I know how to monetize it accidentally because I just launch stuff, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then people buy the stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's so 101 level and I'm not at that level. And I know that I'm not at my, that level, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. so the, the argument there is more that it's, it's more detailed than what, what it is that like, that I'm just saying like, oh, I'm not monetizing. Well, obviously I'm not monetizing it, mm -hmm. but I'm... Um, I think part of it boils down to like the lack of that clear entry level product. So it's hard to, I, I'm a believer in always be pitching, always have some advertisements. It's somebody's first time on your list, first letter they receive, they should know that they, that you have a service or a product available. As mentioned before, you don't have an entry level product that really is coherent with your other service offerings. So if in every single weekly letter you pitched cadence and slang, well, I'm sure you would sell copies from that. But then I get a lot of people curious about design yeah and then they would buy exactly research driven ab testing from me like no there's not really a whole lot of money in just design qua design anymore mm -hmm. so you need to so filling in that offering 
gives you a clear thing to sell, which makes it easier to pitch to your list, which makes it easier to start converting subscribers to buyers. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about me a lot. Let's, um, let's flip it around for a second. Let's let's talk about Kai Davis for a minute. So, so before this episode, I went through and I thought a bit about why my business in particular isn't making more money. And it boils down to a couple elements that I will uh, uh, mosey my way through. The first is a combination of fear and comfort. It both is scary to think about growing the business. And I don't know if this is my anxiety or a shared experience other people have. But when I think about jumping from where my business is currently to, let's say, 500000 a year, it, it's like, do I want that? Like, I fear, feel fear and uncertainty around what that would look like, what my lifestyle would be like. And this plays into the second element, comfort. I'm comfortable with how my life is right now. I make a good living. I enjoy what I do. I'm able to go on fun trips. I'm able to do have interesting adventures. And I don't necessarily need a bigger slice of the pie. I'm very content with where my business is. I want to grow my business, but I don't feel that driving need to grow my business. So the first reason is, well, there's fear and I don't quite know what the path is. And I'm also comfortable where I currently am. So why focus too hard on monetary growth? I think that's kind of that Maslow's hierarchy thing we were talking about on a previous episode where, like, you've got all your basic needs taken care of. What mm-hmm. now? You mm-hmm. know? And, like, does Kai need a solid gold couch? Like... Not really. Not really. I'm, you know? I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. You're Life is good. With your normal couch yeah. that, that usual people have, I, you I know? have no plans on buying a house. I love my car. My... 2003 Honda Accords, man, they run forever. They're wonderful, wonderful cars. And I I spend money on crazy things like go to Burning Man and travel a bit, and that's really it. And do I need to grow? No. Could I grow? Sure. Am I going to grow? In some way. What are the ramifications of it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So what's the next thing? Uh, uh, Well, we talked about the lack of the visible plan. Another one is work-life balance. And you touched on this, and I touched on this a bit. Yeah, we talked about that. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, listen to our previous episodes as well, dear listener. You get to opt into what that work-life balance looks like. Uh, There's also, let me read my own notes here. Uh, There's also the, the issue I often talk about where clients very much understand the problems they are experiencing but don't know what solutions make sense or what outcomes are realistic Mm -hmm. and in this scenario nick and i are both the client we both are the ones inhabiting our own businesses looking around and saying well we know stuff is broken we aren't making a billion dollars a year so why aren't we making a billion dollars that's a better question i mean i tell you all you need to do is adjust a couple numbers on your tax form and you could claim a billion dollars in revenue it's very easy can i adjust a couple numbers in my bank account unfortunately no well shit i know but uh, we're so steeped in our own businesses. We know what the problems are. But to circle back to that earlier point, we don't have that visible plan. And we don't know what those steps look like. And one way I'm attacking the problem is simplifying it from how do I get to like half a million dollars or how do I get to a lower threshold than that? So I'm yeah. doing, let's say, $50,000 increments. Since that's something realistic, I think like, hey, over the next 10 years, my goal every year is to grow my business by $50,000. Well, great. That's a measurable amount of money that will impact quality of life, but won't be like, okay, I got to go from 250000 to 500000 this year. That's going to be pretty hard. I think staying independent by myself, running my micro agencies, I could grow by 50000 a year. That's realistic and achievable. Yeah, and I, I would think that growing by $50,000, if you make that a projection and a goal for yourself, then... Um it seems a bit more achievable than Nick D is going to get to 500,000 by, you know, 2020. Like mm-hmm. that seems like a huge gulf because I'm doubling my revenue and for what, you know, like how am I going to get there? Like, I don't know. 
Um, but also if you set like revenue projections for certain launches and stuff like that, like um, I think that's one way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but you're also taking like a low, a lower view of it, like a lower flying view. Mm -hmm. um, Jason yeah. Zook has a wonderful, 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 uh, I don't have a link to it, unfortunately, otherwise it would be in show notes, uh, income planning spreadsheet that he uses to plan out, okay, this is my target income. These are the projects. These are the products. These are the recurring streams I have. This is how it all adds up. Uh, I'm going to spend March and April building a product and launch in May and June. And then this is how much money I'm expecting it to bring in. And it just gives a very nice entrepreneurial view, 12 month breakdown, month by month. Well, how much income do I actually need to be bringing in to make my goal? And where's that income going to come from? And it's an exercise I recommend everyone go through. Look at how much income you need from each different stream and figure out, okay, so to make $10,000 a year, or not $10,000 a year, $10,000 a month. Please don't make $10,000 a year. Unless you want to. Uh, um. <laughs> to make $10,000 a month, well, I need to sell this mixture of services. It might not just be one $10,000 engagement. It's two $500, two $1,500, and a scattering of the rest to bring you to that target. But it's only by breaking it down by sort of line item, skew, uh, product line that you're able to see for each month and for the year overall, what do sales need to look like for the business? I think the takeaway with all of this is that it always helps to kind of zoom out and think more critically about the way your business is operating. Mm -hmm. the, the more you can kind of ditch your own perspective mm -hmm. and adopt a different perspective about it allows you to think more critically about how you're operating. Mm -hmm. um, not just how the business operates, but what specifically you are executing on on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come easy, right? Like, it's not something that, um, that anyone is wired to do, so it's a very, like, asymmetric, counterintuitive move. Mm -hmm. I think that is mostly the key though. I think it is. I mean, one of the exercises I have every single coaching student I work with go through is filling out a business health analysis. It's a 50 point questionnaire about their business and it forces this 5,000 foot view. It forces us to back up out of the business and say, okay, big picture. How is the business doing? How are you doing on these metrics? Are you using these systems? Yes yeah. or no? Yeah. And it works very well for my coaching students to help us get that perspective of how business is doing and then say, okay, from the 5,000 foot level, where could we see inefficiencies we need to correct? And that gives us a game plan. And that's something you can use yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you, Kai Davis, and even me, if we're not using that sort of questionnaire about our own businesses from time to time, we are fucking up. Mm -hmm. So that's your takeaway. I'm going to give you some homework, Kai. You run that questionnaire about your own stupid business mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and you dog food it. And you can even share those answers to your coaching students after they fill out their responses. Oh, that's great. And then it shows uh, a measure of vulnerability to them, right? But also a measure of honesty with yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so do that and let me know how it goes, man. Yeah, no, that's a good next action. What should I do? I think you need to focus on the $49 or the $50 product. Yeah, I do. And honestly, I would say you want two separate products. You want a $25 product, something that's small and easy. And another $25 product, equally a $50 product. <laughs> you buy them together for $50 in a bundle. It's very special. <laughs> I think there's value in having... 
I mean, the hardest, hardest part of selling anything online, being at a service or a product, is taking somebody from having never paid you a dollar to having paid you more than zero dollars. And so... Yeah, the goal is to pay me. Yeah. I mean... Having a $50 product, that solves an obvious hole that we've discussed on, the epi- on numerous episodes of Make Money Online. But I think there's also a justification for like, well, what does a $25, very short, very small video product look like for draft? And then creating it, launching it, tie boxing it so you aren't spending Video's more than four curious. hours. Why video? I think it's quicker for you to ship a video, a short video thing than a short written thing. But either way, any type or any type of solution you want, having a scoped to $25 option available for people to purchase. Maybe it's draft method. Maybe it's a collection of audio interviews you've done plus a video interview you've done. Maybe it's something else, but something that introduces people to your worldview, provides them with direction and a solution to a problem they're experiencing at that $25 and then that $50 price point the outcome for you or for them for them for them well i think the I answer mean, for th- me it, it's that i make money but like for them there's got to be some sort of concrete value right? that comes from market research you do on your list surveying them figuring out the questions they're asking i just did this if you're on my list uh, about a month and a half ago from the time you'll hear this episode you participated or some people participated in a questionnaire about email challenges they have writing emails uh, most difficult email they sent and mm-hmm. that was a market research activity on my side to understand well what outcomes do i want a product centered around how to create or write better emails to generate for the reader and right. i couldn't have it spring forth from my head sight unseen i don't know what that solution should look like but by asking people on my list and viewing those responses in aggregate i could see the commonalities that jump out and those commonalities say oh i need something that leads somebody to this type of outcome but it all comes from from market research well all right so i guess i have to run the survey and then figure out what it is i'm going to be doing and then i do have to do the thing that is a very good plan for business 